So we're in a series called All Things New. And uh, I'm having fun with this series. I hope you are. I get to talk about a lot of things in this series. And so I'm having to introduce some concepts. And, and I realize going into it, I can't fully explain them in the course of the 20 so minutes that we have. So I'm going to lay down some foundation and we'll keep coming back to some of these ideas throughout this thing as we add some new concepts to what we're going through. We've already talked about, uh, you know, a new start. And I said that happens when we follow Jesus. And then I encouraged you to, to really, as we get into a new year, to really spend some time in the word to make that a special time, not a chore or duty, but time where you get that you're sitting at the feet of Jesus and you're asking the Holy Spirit to illuminate the scripture to you. And, and you know, I, I'm going to be encouraging you to read a lot of passages in this series. And I'm, I'm hoping that you will do that as they make sense. We talked last week about being new creations and how amazing that is. It's, it's miraculous and what it means and, and that there was a lot that goes on with that. And so we're going to touch back on some of that today and in the weeks ahead. Today, I want to start talking about hope. And in particular about our hope in the future and what that looks like. And so we're going to add some more concepts to the things that we're talking about in the scripture today. Because um, I think we're, we're often more focused on what we've been saved from instead of what we've been saved to. And we need to spend some time considering what that looks like. And, and hope is so important. Biblical hope is based on fulfilled promises of God. And because we have the scripture and we can see how faithful God is to his promises, he's fulfilled them. The ones that we're still waiting to be fulfilled, we know he's going to do it. And so our hope rests in that. And hope is important for us to hang on to in the midst of living in uh, our lives today. And when we get a good handle on what's going on in the future, it really impacts today. So the term I'm going to toss out to you today that I want you to consider all this week and that we'll keep defining as we go is that um, this idea of hope is wrapped up for me in the idea of life after life after death. So you might not have heard it that way before. That's okay. It gives you something to think about and what that means. Life after life out of death. That's the intro. Transition. Oh, some very, very bad jokes today. I was asked to leave a park recently um, for lining up squirrels in order of height. Uh, apparently, they didn't like me criticizing. <laughs> if you can see the looks I get sometimes, it makes it all worthwhile. Did you hear about the guy that got fired from the calendar factory job? He kept taking days off. <laughs> frowned again. I skipped this one last night, but they made me do it. I'll, I'll give it to you. Why were people so excited when the shovel was invented? Because it was groundbreaking. I tried not to do it, but they insisted. I should end there, but I'm not. What type of shoes do bears wear? None. They go barefoot. Come on. You should know that. Apologies to the visitors. Scripture reading here on purpose. We're going to go over this passage twice today. I want you to think about this passage all week. And you go read it and then read it again and read it again and read it again. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people 
and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new, all things new. And then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Powerful stuff going on there that I want to dig into today. And, uh, and, and so I want to start, last week as I talked about new creation, us being new creations, we got back into the creation time in Genesis and I talked about Eden for a moment. I want to talk more about Eden. But I also want to introduce concepts I've been giving you in almost every series over the last couple of years on purpose, where we keep going back creation and exodus. Because you, you have to understand how they fit into the rest of the story and the process. And in the process of those two, we talked about um, the temple um, in, in several messages and what it means. And I, I said to you that Eden, uh, in effect, was a picture of the cosmic temple, if you would. It was a place where heaven and earth met. That was the picture. God uh, and and humans dwelled together in Eden. Heaven and earth met. And that was a picture of what was going on in temple. And then because of the fall, that was obviously messed up. And then we see it again in the Exodus as um, they begin to build the tabernacle and what that means. And you find in the tabernacle, there's a place where the presence of God once again comes down into earth. There's a place where heaven and earth meet, the tabernacle. And then uh, you have it again um, when that moves into the actual temple that's built. And you have that place where heaven and earth meet, the presence of God, little presence of God there in the Holy of Holies, heaven and earth meet. But then, you know, Israel didn't do what they needed to do. Things happened. Uh, ultimately, the temple is destroyed. There's no place on earth where we have that situation happening where heaven and earth meet, right? Um, and, and yet the prophets start talking about uh, Jerusalem being rebuilt. They're saying, and once it's rebuilt, then the presence is going to happen again. And yet they rebuild um, Jerusalem and the presence of God doesn't show up until an event happens. And that's Jesus. Jesus arrives on the scene and he actually says um, uh, to his disciples, hey, they're going to tear this temple down, but don't worry, I'm going to build it back up in three days. And he's calling himself the temple. And in fact, that's what he is. Fully God, fully man. There's a place now in Jesus where heaven and earth meet once again. The, the Apostle John actually says that when, in, when you read John, it talks about how he came and dwelled among us. He, the word is tabernacled. It's a picture of that happening again. Well, then, you know, Jesus goes to the cross. He dies, defeats death, rises again. What happens? Sends the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us. And what does Paul call us? He says, you're now a, a temple of the living God. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. So there's a place in us now where heaven and earth meet. But in all those pictures, what you need to see is heaven coming down to earth. There's this picture of what it looks like. And it traces all the way back to Eden in, in the dynamic. And so you need to see that as we talk about what we're going to talk about in the weeks ahead. But let's talk a little bit more about Eden. Um, because these concepts, not all the earth was Eden. So, because sometimes people have that thought, they think, well, okay, in the original creation, that the whole thing was Eden. It's not. Eden was a very specific place on the earth. Uh, and in fact, it, we, it even has geograph geographical boundaries that God puts in the scripture um, with rivers that surrounded it. Uh, Genesis 2.8. And now the Lord God had planted a garden. In the east, in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees go grow out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden, 
were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon, and it winds through the entire land of the Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Uh, aromatic, resin, and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is the Gihon, and it winds through the entire land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, and it runs along the east side of the Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. So you, you, you need to see that Eden was described geographically as a place on the earth. Now, we'll think about uh, Eden and we think, well, that was the place where Adam and Eve dwelt, which it was. But it was also the residence of God on earth. God dwelled, he dwelt in Eden. And so we need to see that. It was God's home on earth. It was his residence. And, and so, um, you know, theologically what's happening there is, is that um, God wants to, he desires to live among his people. Uh, he desires a kingdom rule on earth, that, uh, on this earth that he's created, and this rule will be shared with humanity. God doesn't have to do it that way, but that's the way he chooses to do it. He wants to partner with us in this process. And um, Adam and Eve were, were told that what they were going to do was, as they were image bearers, which has to do with uh, worship and stuff, but they were given mission, very important, and, and so they were given authority to go and subdue the rest of the earth. The ultimate the idea was that all of the earth was to become like Eden, like God's home on this journey and process. So all of those things are, are taking place here. And, and uh, so you need to see that. Well, then the fall happens and uh, that messes that up pretty good. Uh, and, um, and yet God begins a, a plan for us that we're, we become aware of. Genesis 3.15, we call it the, the crimson thread of redemption. And from Genesis 3.4, where we can see redemption happening. You need to know this about God. God is redemptive. God is redeeming things. And that's what he does. He's redeeming us and he's redeeming all sorts of things. And part of this redemption um, is a, another thing that we're going to be bumping up against all the time as we talk about new things. And that's point number two in your notes, which is the new birth. Uh, the new birth. So you're going to read this in, in the scripture. You'll see it all the time. A lot of you have an idea what this is um, and what's happening. John 1:12. Uh, we know this. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The, the new birth makes it possible for us to be reconciled to God and reconnected him uh, to him in, in this, the way that we were intended to be. Remember last week I said, when you come to know Jesus, your new creation, something miraculous has happened. Uh, it goes on in John 3, 1, uh, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. The idea of new birth, born again, um, born anew. People have struggles with some of the, the, the terminology, but it's the idea of, of being spiritually born. This only happens in Christ. Until we know Jesus, you're spiritually dead. You come to know Jesus, you're spiritually alive. That's what's taking place and it's what this whole thing means. And until that happens, it says you can't see the kingdom of God. When you're reading the scripture... You need to know something because we have a we see that word kingdom and we almost automatically think about a place. 
And in, in fact, in, in the Matthew's gospel, because he's, he's writing primarily to Jewish believers, he writes about the kingdom of heaven. But, um, and, and the other guys write about the kingdom of God. They're interchangeable. They're, they mean the same thing. It's just a different way of expressing it. And the kingdom of God is not a place as you think about it. It's God's rule. It's God's reign. And, and until you're spiritually alive, you can't understand the rule and reign of God. When you're reading the scripture, like we do that one all the time, first his kingdom. What are we seeking? His rule, his reign in our lives. It's, it's not a place and so too many people have read about the kingdom of heaven and and they get stuck in that idea that it's a place but there's more to it than that that we need to be aware of so um we get we uh we come to know jesus the new birth happens the new creation we talked about last week all these amazing things start happening in our lives well that leads us to today what what i really want to talk about is the hope of the promise um because hope is so important in, in our lives uh, you know, if, if you don't have a hope, you, you, you kind of get stuck. And, and you need to know there's this amazing future that God has for us. And when we get a hold of this future, it impacts us also right now. Um, the idea for this hope, I, if I didn't introduce this term to you already, I want to give it to you now. It's life after life after death. And, 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 and there's, there's hope in that that impacts this moment. And it has to do with the promises of God and the things that are coming. And, and Jesus says something with that in mind in, in Matthew uh, 19:28. He says to them, I tell you the truth, truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and, and, uh, and many who are last will be first is what it says there. But what strikes me in that passage is how sort of casually Jesus says at the renewal of all things. That's a pretty big deal, right? At the renewal of all things and the guys don't even question it. Because that's a pretty big statement. Why? Because they're, they're aware of what he's talking about. They would know the Old Testament scriptures and they would have an idea of what Jesus was referring to. And he's referring to um, ideas and verses throughout the Old Testament that speak of what's coming. An example would be Isaiah 60, verse 17 uh, and following. Instead of bronze, I'll bring you gold and silver in place of iron. Instead of wood, I'll I'll bring you bronze and iron in place of stones. I will make peace your governor and well-being your ruler. No longer will violence be heard in your land, nor ruin or destruction within your borders. But you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. That one gives me goosebumps. The sun will no more be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you. For the Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. Your sun will never set again and your moon will wane no more. The Lord will be your everlasting light and your days of sorrow will end. These, these promises that are scattered throughout the scripture in the Old Testament, they, they, should, they sort of make you stop and pause and, and they would, 
you, you start to ask questions. Well, who are these promises for? And, and when do they happen? And what does that look like? Because it, it's, it's just too good to be true. The promises that are there. And, and we, we start to have those questions like, when is this going to take place? And we actually get the answer a few chapters later in Isaiah 65, verse 17. He says, See, I will create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. Another powerful passage. It's, it's the culmination, really, of all the Old Testament promises of this great restoration that takes place. And as I read that, it should have triggered in you what we started with, because it's very, very similar to what we see again in Revelation 21. Let me read it to you again, beginning in verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. I am making all things new. And then he said, write it down for these words are trustworthy and true. So the reason I said you have to kind of read that over and over and over and over again, because it's so filled with these promises that you, you really can't take them in. We have grown so accustomed to living in the wreckage of the fall. Broken world, fallen world, broken planet stuff. That it's, it's hard for us to even begin to give this the imagination that it requires to let it start to impact us in significant ways the way it should. And so you, you need to dig into it. Like First, you need to notice that the earth is included in this. It's, it, it, the earth is included in this whole process in some amazing way. And the picture is New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven back to earth. It's this cosmic temple ideal, heaven and earth. There's a place again where that happenings, uh, happens. And the earth is here. The earth is redeemed. Um, it, it's... it's People start have this idea, you know, it's just oh, like the sweet by and by idea of heaven. Like that's the end spot. And, and see, that doesn't take into account what the scripture says. Too often we sort of believe that we, that, okay, that, that we die and then if, hopefully if we know Jesus and there's life and that's it. But the problem with that thinking, if that's all of it, I have people tell me this all the time. And it's a very valid thought. I think I'm going to get bored. If all I'm doing is hanging out on a cloud and playing a harp. Really forever? That's it? And I'm like, no, that's not what the scripture says. Heaven is is very real. Don't get me wrong. God is dwelling in heaven now. And and before and until Jesus comes back and consummates the kingdom and whatever that looks like, um, if you die, you go to to heaven. That's that's where you're going to be. But that's not your end. That's not the end point. The scripture says it's not. This is the end point. Heaven comes down to earth. New Jerusalem coming down. And the earth is remodeled. That word new there is really has to do with restored. It's redeemed. It's, and so it's still here, uh, in, in, but in a magnificent way, in a way that we really can't even begin to imagine yet. You know, the, the flood happened, right? And the earth 
was still here after the flood. It was cleansed by the water. And we're going to look. We'll look next week and we'll dig into it quickly. Uh, in Revelation, there's a lot about fire, but fire is a cleansing agent. But there's a, the earth is still here and it's renewed and restored in ways that you haven't even begun to imagine yet. And we're restored as well. See, see, what you have to understand, life after life after death, is that we, we, we unfortunately have this idea that it's just that all we become is spiritual beings and we're floating around on clouds. And that's not what the scripture says. The scripture talks about resurrection. Our promise is resurrection. And we have physical bodies that are, are redone in us. Um, and so, in effect, when we're new creations, we're already here in some measure now. You're you. There would be a point when you get this new, amazing, glorified body. And the scripture talks about, Paul calls it incorruptible. That means it's not subject to decay. It's different than what you understand now. We try and sort of understand all of that in these bodies, but these bodies are better. The new ones are much better than these, incorruptible. And those are our bodies that we're going to exist with, and we're going to dwell in the presence of God. And we have mission and purpose once again in, on the earth and what it looks like. It will be amazing. You know... <laughs> Hope. Look, someday you're going to wake up because you, you'll be sleeping. It, you know, physical new bodies. We're still going to sleep and stuff. But uh, think about days when you'll wake up in the morning and everything is right. Everything is right. Beautiful morning. Everything is right in all areas of your life, and it will stay that way all day. You don't have to worry about a phone call or a text message or a headline or an event or something taking. You know what I'm talking about? You know, you know those glimpses that we have in this life because of what's already happened. There's those moments in time when everything comes together and feels right with the world. Do you know what I'm talking about? And you, and you almost hesitate to really enjoy them because you know that the June, they can be gone. Like so, you can't even sort of engage in it. But but imagine a time and a place when you never have those worries or fears again. Because it's just going to be good getting better forever. See, that's the hope we have as believers. That's the hope we have in Christ of what it looks like. This is just preparing us for that. And so you have to have that idea of heaven coming down to earth and all of it being redone. New, new heaven, new, new earth, but restored in the process. New Jerusalem, which is a picture of the temple. Heaven and earth. God in us dwelling together and doing the things that he created us to do with him in amazing ways. That's the picture. So, so prominent was his picture in Revelation. He gives it three times. Revelation 3.12. He who overcomes, I will, um, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Revelation 21.10. He says it again. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. The, the dwelling of God, which has been... Heaven uh, comes to humans uh, and we dwell together on the earth. God promises to make, see it this way, all things new. He doesn't, the promise isn't there to make all new things. Significantly different. All things new. It speaks of the restorative and the redemptive parts of God. All things new. And it was so amazing. You know what, what the very says next to John? Write it down. So you think about it, and you know that it's there. It's that important. So we have all these pictures going on in the process. Quick story, and we'll close. Life after life after death. 
all those amazing promises. How does that impact me now, knowing what's happening? Well, God uses this time because he's redemptive and restorer. He's already in the process. When you come to know Jesus, you are now partnering with God back into what we were originally called to. We're imagers, uh, which has to do with our worship, and we're people of mission. He's, and so things that we're doing now matter throughout eternity. This isn't, oh, well, it's all, this, it matters now, and, and he's accomplishing things now that are ready to go. But this is hard stuff, this, this now. Taste of good stuff, but hard stuff. And I, I think of it this way. Back in high school, I played football and basketball. And um, we used to have to practice, which was probably a good thing. But um, I never liked practices. I, I went to high school in Michigan, and we had these horrible two-a-day practices, 74 through 78. People asked me when I was in high school, just so you know. I know I, I look way younger than that, but still. Um, <laughs> nobody has actually said that but me, but still. We had two-a-day practices to start with in August, the hottest time of the year in Michigan. It was hot. Don't think it's not hot in Michigan. Hot. And they had this thought back then that if water would make you soft somehow. So we didn't get water during practice. And you would cramp up and be in pain and dry, horrible field with no grass on them for practice. And I just remember eating mud and doing these ridiculous drills where you just kind of rolled around in the mud and up and down and up and down. It's pretty serious. And... So it was, it was difficult, it was hard, it was you know, miserable. You, you, the, the thing that kept you going through all that hard stuff was you know that eventually a game was coming. And the game made it all worthwhile. And, and the game wouldn't have been nearly as good without the practice because in the practice you learned all sorts of stuff that you needed for the game. See, and so everything that we're going through now is like practice for the, for the game that's coming. And the game is going to be so worth it. You need to know it's going to, it changes everything. And so when it's hard in practice, the game's coming. Just know the game's coming. And, and it will help you through the practice. And so we have this hope, this amazing hope of life after life after death. And it, it's, it's going to, it's just, it's hard to even begin. Ask God to help you. Use your imagination to get a glimpse of what that's going to be like. And, and it'll start changing things. It really changes the way that you look at the scripture as well. So we'll talk a lot more about that, but I'm out of time. And, and, uh, but, so I'm going to end it there. But uh, let's do this. Let's pray. Ministry team that are here, why don't you head over the wall? People on the way over that wall are here to pray for you. And they'll pray for anything you've got going on, relationships, problems, finances, situations. As we were praying earlier too, we, we felt very strongly that singing that last song that, those, that was impacting people that God's not finished with you yet. And that... that you're going through something even now because of a mistake. And, and there's some hope for you in that idea that God's not finished with you yet. So, so what you're going through isn't defining you forever. And he wants to really set you free from some of that. If that's you, I'd encourage you to go and let someone pray for you today uh, in that whole process. But let me pray for you as a group. Papa, thank you for your goodness to us and your love for us and your faithfulness, including us in your story and all that it means. And there's so much amazing stuff going on. And Lord, help us to, as we just drink it all in, to be changed by you in a way that not only impacts us, but the world around us for you. That you would bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area. That hundreds and thousands of people would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray for every church in this area, God, where your word is preached. Ask that you would bless them abundantly with everything they need fulfill the mission you've given them. We ask for your continued abundant blessing on us, God, to fulfill the mission you've given us of one more. Just one more lost child back to you, Dad. Just one more. Thank you so much. 
for including us in your story here in this time and place. You're such an awesome, awesome God. If you need prayer this morning for anything, the folks over there pray for you. Healing, relationships, problems, finances, situations. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let's take care of that today too. Humility and faith. In humility, it's just admitting to God you're broken like all the rest of us here. You've sinned. Asking Him to forgive you, which you do. And then in faith, inviting and accepting Jesus into your heart and life as Lord and Savior. If you've never prayed a prayer like that, do it now. It's the best decision you will ever make in your life. If you need help, just go and ask somebody over there. I want to know Jesus. They'll help you through that prayer. So if you need prayer for that or for anything, I'd encourage you to get it. If you're going to stay and have breakfast, Lord, thank you for the food you provided. Bless that. Everybody that makes it possible. Draw people in for the 11 o'clock, God. You are amazing. Praise God from whom all bless. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you. May He be gracious to you and give you peace. And go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. Remember, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. Prayer is there. Breakfast will be back there. As you go, drive safely. Be kind to one another in the parking lot. Have a great day. Catch some fish. Hope your team wins. See you later. Bye. Thanks for watching this broadcast from Keys Vineyard Community Church in Big Pine Key, Florida. Be sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.